Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. It is... What time is it? What day is it? Oh my goodness. I feel like so much time has gone by and we're just going with the flow, doing what we do, doing the best we can. The grind never stops here in the world of voiceover, in the world of podcasting, in the world of entertainment. I feel like I need a shirt like that. I, if I could... I wonder if there's a process where I could like trademark a, a quote or an old saying and just put that. The grind never stops. Hmm could be an idea there. Anyway, over the weekend, it was my birthday. I am now 33, and uh, hell, I'm more motivated to keep the train on rolling, to keep everything on rolling, for me to do my business, to do what I love, content create, and everything else. And one of the best birthday gifts that I actually got was the whole uh, Death Metal series package in the Elseworld storylines with Dark Knight's Metal, and I love Elseworlds storylines when it comes to different characters, especially about the seven evil Batmen, you know, the Drowned, and um, I, I can't really name off the top of my head right now, my brain is like, <laughs> the, the, the Batman who laughs, you know, those kinds of storylines, so I'm actually excited, my girlfriend actually got it for me, so that was, that was really, really cool of her, and see if I can try to purchase a new camera. That's going to be the next step, and hopefully I get that either today or tomorrow. But aside from that, everything is going good. Everything is going great. We are here to talk about... Well, normally we would be here to talk the world of comic books, see what's going on outside in the world, but what's been going on has been a little bit more important than that. I'm sure if you already know, the WGA and now the SAG strike has been underway for more than 70 days now. 70 days, that's just over two months and at first I thought I would come here and I would congratulate a few more of the cast that has been chosen for Superman Legacy you know we got our Guy Gardner we got our uh, Mephisto and we have you know our Hawk Girl and you know we have so many other new people now and uh, I thought all right well that can wait I could always talk about that when the movie either happens and we finally get our time within the year of 20, I believe it's 2025. And there was another news that came out with Iman Vellani, the girl that's playing Miss Marvel, that she's going to be co-writing and bringing back Miss Marvel because in one of the newest comic editions, she dies. Spoiler alert. You know, sorry, not sorry. And I thought maybe I could talk about that, maybe maybe a little bit, and see how she can bring that character a little bit more fun for comic book readers. Well, it turns out all of that is going to be nixed because the WGA and SAG strike has been going on for quite some time. And man, it is fascinating. It's fascinating because it not only affects me, it kind of affects me, kind of really doesn't, but it affects so many industries and it affects, you know, everything of what goes on forward for writers and actors and everything in between. 
And then I thought to myself, all right, for me to truly talk about my thoughts about all of this, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to how this all started. Because the last strike that we've gotten was 1960. So this is way before a lot of us were even born. Way before then. And now we're at the point where so much has changed. Technology has advanced. More movies are made. More you know, entertainment, whether it's movies, t- uh, television, music, films, all of that is written, all of that is made, and lo and behold, we came across all of this, and it's like, damn, just a wave of stuff, just a wave of information with everything that's been going on. So, let's go back to the beginning real quick, and I'm going to be using a few analogies, I'm going to be using a few things for me to even talk about, but... You know, just just bear with me because I've been literally going over this over and over for about a week. For about a week, see how can I make sense of all of this. And there's going to be, and if there is a few things that I do leave out, I do apologize. You know, I only know what I know, and what I know, you know. And I'm sure you already know, so let's know. (laughs) That was so stupid. (laughs) So, let's go back to the beginning. Do you remember Friends? Do you remember your favorite shows? Friends and Seinfeld and Everybody Loves Raymond and, you know, Criminal Minds and Law and Order. Well, all of that was obviously made from and with the distribution through network television. ABC, CBS, TBS, you know, uh, UPN, My9, you know, things like that. Those are all network televisions. And normally, back then, what happened was... There were a lot of writers that would come together and they would write out these shows. They would write out these shows that would be multi-seasonal shows. So from back then, you had all these shows and all these multiple seasons, all these multiple episodes. They would have a span of around 40 weeks. So the writers would have more time to work. They would work on one season or not one season. They would work on multiple seasons and they would work one-on-one with the actors that are there. So every now and then when you see, you know, when you see your favorite show and if you have the DVD or if you have the, you know, the Blu-ray version and you would see the bloopers and you would have that interaction, that one-on-one interaction with the writer and the actor, that that would be a normal thing back then. That would be a very, very normal thing. What happened was that these writers back then, they would have these rooms, they would have 40 weeks or probably more And they would have a longer time span for them to work on these multiple seasons. And then in addition to that, what they would do is they would write out these shows so that way they could have these blocks within the episode for commercials to be played within them. And the commercials that are played, obviously from advertisements and sponsors and, you know, any kind of ads... The money that is generated from that would then get paid off to the actors and to the writers. That compensation, in addition to a person's salary, in addition to a person's contract, residuals are made. And the residuals are made from the commercials that are being played. So that's, in a way, how writers and actors would make a living. So whenever you hear stories, again, let's use Friends for example, whenever you hear stories about how the six main actors, you know, Courtney Cox, Matthew Perry, Lisa Kudrow, David Schwimmer, 
um, Jennifer Aniston and Matt LeBlanc, they would talk about how they would get paid X amount of dollars whenever a show gets re-aired over and over and over. And most of the time they would air on TBS or any type of network that they would be on. Residuals are then paid off to them and they get paid off to the, to the writers. So if you're living in New York City or if you're living in Los Angeles or any of the big cities that have actually produced these shows, you are making a killing on it. You are making an absolute killing. Now we come to the problem that it is today. Why is the strike happening? What's happening is the residuals have been getting less and less and less. So if a common writer, if an average writer, let's throw out a number. Let's say they are making $23,000 every, I don't know, two weeks, two months. I don't know what the pay structure from that is. But let's say that I'm a writer and I work on a show and every month I get around 23000 Seems great, right? Well, now streaming has came to play. Streaming has changed everything in the landscape. So instead of shows being re-aired on network television, they now go on to streaming. The streaming underneath the platforms. Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, freaking... Uh, you know, Paramount, you name it. Streaming has all of that. So how can you determine how much a show is worth if the casual viewer, like myself, pays only one price, a subscription fee, to watch everything they want? How can you determine how a show is worth if they're being replayed over and over under a streaming platform? You really can't. I mean, yeah, you can track viewership, but you can literally look at tons of shows and viewerships are always played over and over but you again you really don't know what is that worth so that $23,000 that I would get under you know the show that I wrote that I helped write getting re-aired over and over that gets cut down tremendously to like $23 god damn that's a hell of a cut that is oh my goodness that's brutal that is brutal so that's why we are where we are today the 40 weeks that i spoke about gets composed to 20 weeks which means or less which means faster turnaround times overworked and basically all for little to no money so whenever we see shows back then whenever we see shows like house of cards game of thrones um, the Ozarks, or the, not the Ozarks, Ozark, uh, Breaking Bad, you know, things like that. All of those are done from writers with faster turnaround times, and you see the multi-seasonal thing that that format doesn't work anymore because commercials are not played in them. Why do you think every now and then whenever we go on Hulu and we have an, a Hulu subscription, we have to pay just a little bit more money in order for us to have ad-free content? Yeah, because commercials and ads are not played by them anymore. Therefore, the residuals get cut way down, way less and less and less. I hear stories from writers all the time who are passionate about their work, who so desperately want to work on television or film or anything else, 
that goes on and they're writing for an actor and they're writing for a studio and they pitch all of these great ideas, all these great ideas when they go to school and they pay their dues and they pay their, you know, their, their union fees and everything else just to have someone tell them to rewrite it over and over and over to satisfy someone that has no idea what writing is about, that has no idea how a story is structured, that has no idea of what the hell it is they're doing, that is richer than them, or studio studio interference, which is another big thing of ha- that was happening back then. And it's still going on now. These writers would get bombarded with so much stuff, all for little to no money. They waste their time. They waste their effort, they waste their energy, and not a lick of it gets showed, and they don't get paid a goddamn cent. Because as we know, when it comes to an industry like this, it's hard to break into. It's hard to show your worth. It's hard to prove that you have what it takes to even get looked at, to have your work get looked at. How many rejections that a normal person can have, and even me, even me, being a voice actor, I get rejected, we as voice actors, we get rejected numerous times with the amount of work that what we do. It's hard. So that's why these residuals are extremely important, especially to the writers and the actors, and a lot of people are taking a stand for it. A lot of people are literally unifying together. They're like, no, this is wrong. This is bullshit. Like, we deserve fair and good compensation. It sucks. Why do you think the cast of Oppenheimer, this literally just happened the other day. Why do you think the cast of Oppenheimer that's going to be showing on the big screen this weekend, this upcoming weekend, and the cast of Oppenheimer literally left the premiere? They know what it's like to struggle. They know what it's like to be that startup actor or startup writer if they were writing. And they're like, no, we stand with you. We know what it's what all of this actually takes. And it sucks. It really does. So that's where we are now. Because of the residuals getting smaller, because everyone's getting overworked, because everyone is getting fast turnaround times, and the, and the fact that it's hard to even make a living in terms of doing all this, that's why the strike has happened. Now, the WGA alone striking would not have worked, or let me rephrase, it would have been a lost cause from a lot of the studios and a lot of the companies that really doesn't give a damn about you. Let's be honest here. They care about their bottom dollar. They care about providing whatever content they can so that way they could get paid. That's all it is. It's a business. It's an unfair business, but it's a business nonetheless. Not all studios. I want to correct myself on this one. Not all studios, but a good majority of them. A good majority. And... The worst thing about it is they don't care about the little man. They don't care about the little guys. They don't care about the writers that really make all of the magic that's happened so far and what we've gotten. Now, I understand the misconception because I had a friend of mine come to me about this the other day. He asked me, Garcia, why should I support writers that have been turning out bad quality writing and I get 
what he was going with, which is a very juvenile way of thinking. I get what he was going with. You know, I get it. He's a Marvel head like me. And Marvel Phase 4 really killed it for a lot of people, including myself. However, however, where there is bad, there is good. Where there is the Marvel Phase 4, there is the Batman. John Wick 4. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. You know, there is good quality writing out there. There is. So just because some things have been happening in the bad side doesn't mean that it's not happening on the good side. Not to mention, even though I complain so much about these writers all the time, they're still human beings. They still have to make a living. They still have to be paid in what they do. So yeah, there's a lot of bad writers out there, but there are definitely good writers out there too. We can't just focus on the negative on everything. We just can't. We can't. And let's be honest here. Don't a few of us love to complain about something? You know, love to bitch about something? Maybe bad content does exist for a living, so who the hell knows? Now, where do we go from here? We went from the beginning, we go to where we are right now. Where do we go from here? Well, here's the thing. With WGA, and this is kind of the point that I was getting with, with the WGA by themselves alone probably would not have worked. The strike would not have worked because there was an article the other day, I believe it was from Variety or Vox, V-O-X, and it said that the studios basically would have waited for them to starve, waited for them to just plan this out, not plan this out, but go through with it, and then at the end of the day, they stand out on top. And I did say that they don't really care about you. They would rather have you starve. They would rather have you literally go without a job for X amount of months. They don't care. They got all the money in the world. They got, they are set for life. That's who they are. That's what they do. They don't give a damn about you. But now with SAG joining them, with the Actors Guild now joining them, they have a little bit more of a shot. Just a little bit more of a shot in order to get what they want and how they want it. Here's the problem. And remember, this is a show that looks at the other side of the coin. So if we look at the thing that is working or that could work, that could potentially work, we have to focus on the bad side too. We have to look at the other side of the coin on this one. So if you think that I'm vouching for this, no, that is not the case. I'm just stating why there's a strong chance, or not a strong chance, that there's a good chance. Basically, let me just point out the downsides of the strike, okay? It's already proven, and it's getting to that point where studios are now looking into hiring non-union actors and freelance writers in order to fulfill what they need to do, which is to provide content. I understand and I get the mindset of that one individual that has been trying to go for a, uh, that has been trying to join a union for so long and that has been trying to break into this industry for so long that they finally have their chance and they finally have their opportunity for them to work for for them to be that that superhero that one guy that one girl that wants to go I'll do it I'll do it I will gladly work for you. This is my shot. This is my opportunity. Fuck everybody else. 
fuck everybody else. Let them starve. Let them do whatever it is that they want to do. Let them, you know, let me push push them aside. Let me finally have my shot. Let me finally have my chance. So if you're a content creator, if you're a freelancer, and if you're a non-union actor, this could be potentially good news for you. It could be. It could be. In my opinion, and this is my honest, humble, 100% downright honest opinion to you if you're listening to this. If you're one of these actors and you're one of the freelancers and you believe this is a strong shot for you to make it to the big leagues, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And let me explain to you why you shouldn't do it. As I said, the big guys, the big CEOs, they don't care about you. They don't. They don't care about the little guy. Best believe that they will, they already have the mindset where anyone and everyone is is expendable, is replaceable. And if they can do it to you, they can definitely do it to someone else. Like I said, not all studios are like this. Not all companies are like this. There's a good majority of them that are great and I love working for them. I personally have already worked for a few great production companies for me to get my work out for voiceover and things like that. And I love them and I am so thankful for them. But there are bad apples out there. And they're already scrounging around in order to take advantage of over you, the content creator, the freelancer, the non-union actor, and fulfill whatever content they have. I get your mindset, and I understand there are a lot of people that think like you that absolutely hates the union, that hates it. That's why there's a debate every now and then whether people should join union or not because of their restrictiveness, because of their lack of maybe their lack of bargaining power, because of their rule sets, because of their their initiation fees, because of the fact that if one person goes down, everyone has to go down. Hence this strike. Now nobody is working. Nobody is making money. Nobody's providing for their family. Nobody can support themselves. At least not during this work. So they have to do something else. And that's another thing. If you're part of the union, you can't really work on any majority. Uh, there's only certain things that you can do. There are certain things you can't do. You can't cross that pick line. You can't cross that picket line at all. You can't work on, you know, films. You can't write for big time studios. You can't work on trailers. You can't work for, you know, there's a variety of examples. But I'm telling you not to do it. Why? Because... You as an individual that is part of the community in this industry, it's all about relationship building. It's all about working together. If the strike works and the WGA and the SAG and the AMPTA, I believe that's what they're called. Don't mis- don't quote me on this. I think it's motion pictures and television. If they succeed in getting their strike work, it can actually benefit you too because you can then negotiate. If you want to stay as a freelancer, you can then negotiate how your way through union standards. It doesn't work for everybody. I get it. And I'm sure there's going to be that one person 
that's listening to this and is like, well, that's not actually true. Yeah, well, you can. You can. Or at least work enough for you to try to find out what those standards are for them to work for yourself. Because what can work for them can work for you too. And let's be honest here. You don't want to get blacklisted by the people that you work with. You don't want to be black blacklisted by the community that you work with. That you are in support of. That you need support from. Don't be that one man army. Don't be that one woman army. Don't do it. It's not worth it. In the bigger picture, in the bigger scheme of things, don't do it. It's not worth it. Not to mention, there's no guarantee that you're going to be getting job after job after job after job after job. Because who's to say that you get accepted for one big time gig. Let's say you get one job and the strike is over. They won. Oh, they found out that you did this. Therefore, screw you. You turned against us and therefore you're out. And then what happens? The studios and the companies would have no choice but to work with them, leaving you to dust. Don't do it, guy. Don't do it, girl. Don't do it. Don't do it. I feel like that should be the podcast name of this. Don't do it! <laughs> Here's another downside of the strike that's happening. AI. Look. I understand people's... Especially voice actors, if you're listening to this too. I understand that we need to band together against AI. It's here. It's not going away. We already know that studios and big-time companies, we already know that they're embracing AI as best they can. In, in fact, there was actually a report the other day, which I was baffled in hearing about this, where now an actor's likeness and their image can be used once, can be signed, it can be used once forever, and that could be used as background characters in order to fulfill the settings of shows and movies. That is a horrible Horrible, Mark Cuban. Horrible, horrible, horrible idea. Why in God's name would you ever do something like that? You know a lot of actors actually got their big time gigs and their big time roles from starting off in being background characters? Imagine Leonardo DiCaprio or Matt Damon. You know, imagine your favorite actor that you look up to, actor, actress, whoever it is. And they start off as a background character. Imagine using their likeness once. Never get paid for it. Used in perpetuity. And then they're just digitally manifested in the background. Oh my god, the CGI would just look horrible. Horrible. Don't do it, man. Don't sign that away. Don't sign that. The, the same way our voice... As a voice actor, the same way our voice is our IP, is our intellectual property, your likeness, your face, your your image, that should be intellectual property to you too. It is intellectual property to you personally. Don't sign it away. Don't do it. If it's baffling that actors and and not actors, I'm sorry. Studios and companies, it's baffling that they're actually embracing this. I believe to them it's going to cut costs. I believe to them it's even less of a headache. I don't know what the hell it is they're thinking, but as long as they provide content, that's all they really care about. 
Let's look at ChatGPT. ChatGPT is looking to replace writers right now. Now, do they have the standards of creative writing? No, but it's not far from it. It's not far from it. And there are already people that is looking to embrace that too. So AI is here and it's not going away. That's the point I'm trying to make. My point is, if you want change and you want to stand up for your fellow man and say, no, this is wrong, this is bullshit, we are not going to let them push us around. They need to understand that they need writers, they need actors to provide whatever content they need to create stories, to create great driven stories for the audience. For casual viewers like us. So, I'm sure you already hear, and I'm sure you can already see, whether whichever side you're on, whether you hate the union, whether you hate how things are going on, or you're in support of the union, in your support of the strike, whether you, regardless of whatever site you're on, you need to understand this. I support the strike. I do. I support the strike. I want writers great quality writers to continue working. I want my movies. I want my television shows. I want what the content that I pay for on a monthly basis, I want to escape my reality so I can enjoy and learn and and, and do what I do so I can create my voice acting. That's so I can create, you know, my field of work. So I can podcast about the things that I love watching. The things that I love debating. We all do. So re- regardless of whatever side you are on, support the strike. Support it. Don't do those big time projects. Do, go doing your research right now and find out what you can do and what you can't do. Don't be that one person army. Don't do it. Don't blacklist yourself in thinking, oh, I'm a content creator, I'm a freelancer, therefore I can do whatever it is that I want. Mmm, don't. Don't go against the grain on this one. It's going to be fascinating to see how long this is going to last, but however it ends, time will only tell. That's all I got to say about that. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Share this episode. It has a lot to be talked about. And if you want to get down with me, if you want to talk to me about this, go Email me, Mike at voiceofgarcia.com. We can do a listener mail. I can answer your questions, maybe at the beginning or ending of the show. If you want to have a fun debate, we can do that too. If you want to go on my other podcast, Journey to the Mic with Mike Garcia. And if you want to share your story on how you got started in this industry like this, I am more than willing to interview you, hear you out, see what you want to see see what you want to see, say what you want to say, and we go forward from there. The next comic thing that goes on, I believe it's Blue Beetle in August, and 
According to James Gunn, and I said this before, according to James Gunn, he said it's the first movie with the DCU. I call bullshit. I think it's his way of trying to market the movie. But he tried marketing The Flash. It didn't work. Now we're going to go into Blue Beetle, a character that a lot of people didn't really ask for. But let me not hold any judgment. When we see the movie, when we see it, I'm looking forward to watching Oppenheimer uh, this upcoming weekend. And that's about it. And I can't wait to create more content. I can't wait to get my camera to create more content out there. Finally can get back on YouTube and can actually, you know, do what I want to do. What content I want to create, you'll have to wait and find out. Until then... In all of the news, when it comes to news, comics, movies, games, shows, whatever the case may be, always remember, you read about it and you hear about it, or I talk about it controversial or otherwise. And remember, the grind never stops. Take care. Take care of yourselves. Till next time, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.